Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. All right. Hey, you know, we have been uh, in our series, Evangelism Without Additives. What if sharing your faith meant simply being yourself? And there's two things that we established uh, these past uh, few weeks that are really imperative if we are not only to grow in our faith, but be able to share that with other people. First is that every single one of us is a unique creation of God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And second, uh, we are not only made by God, but we're made by God with great intentionality and purpose. In fact, he prepared good works beforehand that we might walk in them. And those two things are really critical. They're the foundational uh, as we grow in our understanding of how God values us and how God has created us with great intentionality with a purpose. Uh, If you don't get that, as Rick Warren says at Saddleback, and nothing else makes sense. In fact, he says, you were created by God for God. Unless you understand that, nothing else makes sense, okay? And uh, when we think of partners in our ministry of bringing Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community, to our world, and that includes our own state, Alaska, uh, I can think of no other partner that does a better job of helping young adults understand their value and their purpose in life. And that's the ministry of Alaska Christian College. And so today we're going to highlight that ministry, and we're going to hear about the work of Christ uh, in the lives of students and how that is literally transforming our state. And I want to introduce to you Dr. Keith Hamilton. Keith is a longtime friend of our church. In fact, Community Covenant was involved in the, the early days when Alaska Christian College was nothing more than nothing. Than nothing. That's right. And your office was, was up there. Yeah, it was. That, right that, there. That, that's right. And uh, Keith, we are so grateful for you, for your leadership, for all that God has done through the work in the ministry of Alaska Christian College, of your partnership yeah. in bringing Christ hope, healing, and wholeness. Um, in this case, to students here in Alaska, and we're looking forward to hearing from you today. So, yeah. with that, let's welcome Dr. Keith Hamilton. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Pastor Todd. We were just in Nome yesterday and flew home on the plane together, and I was just in, in anticipating being with you. I looked at my, my phone. I keep track of how many times I preach in different places, so I don't repeat the same sermon over again. And... Uh, I looked, and this is the uh, 14th time I've preached, I think, at Eagle River in the 17 years that I have uh, been the president of nothing that we started with. And uh, it is a joy to be back here. Lori also, his wife, is also on our, our board of trustees. We've had many people here invest, uh, come to campus. Many of you have been on our boards or our President's Advisory Council. And yeah, it did all start right here uh, 18 years ago upstairs at that church. There was just me, myself, and I. And uh, a dream that the Alaska Covenant Church had to have a place for Alaska Native young people and others who needed to hear the good news of Jesus 
and also be discipled in Him, and then maybe someday even get a degree. And so today, uh, we are an accredited, fully accredited degree-granting college. I thought I'd take you on a, on a short drone video of your campus. You own Alaska Christian College. And so if they want to go ahead and start that drone, I'm going to tell you a little about this last year. This last year, we had 84 students come to our campus. That is the world record for students attending Alaska Christian College. And this semester, we added 74 this semester as well, which is another record for us for the spring semester. We have now seen over 560 young people walk through our doors that are considered alum who have been with us for a semester or longer. And last fall... Um, we started, uh, well, kind of wrapped up a, a new dormitory project that you'll see here at the end of the drone. But we were uh, out of room. We had 84 students, not enough room, decided we're going to build a new dorm. It's a $2.9 million project. It's 34 beds. It's on three floors, 10,200 square feet. And I have to tell you, we had 400 volunteers come last summer from 23 different churches over 13 different weeks. I'm just exhausted thinking about last summer. And we are going to have it done and buttoned up by the beginning of this summer completely debt-free. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And there it is. It's that gray building you see right in the center of the picture right now as you come around. Maybe you've been to our campus before. It didn't used to look like that. We have a new parking lot with 83 spots in it. We've had an amazing uh, collateral gifts come to us from the neighboring land around us, as well as an apartment building. Um, uh, $325,000 uh, apartment building was just handed to us three weeks ago, right adjacent to our property. I mean, right there. And I couldn't believe it when we uh, got that uh, accomplished, that God did that. Um, it's, a, it's a legacy building place for sure. And that's what's really exciting. But the thing I want to tell you that just really warmed my heart is my uh, lady who runs our department for education, uh, department head, runs up to me and she says, Keith, you won't believe it. And I said, what? And she said, we just got word that all six of our graduates in the paraprofessional educational degree last May, all six of them are now full-time employed all around the state of Alaska as Christian paraprofessional educators. All six of them, 100%. 100%. And that's a, great, that's a great news item. Because they're just not in a classroom making money. No, they're Christian disciples in classrooms with native villages and on the Kenai, um, offering to little kids uh, the love that Christ has through, through them. And so uh, your college is growing. Uh, our vision in 2020 is to have 100 students uh, living uh, on our campus and, and being discipled. In, in just a couple of years. In order to do that, our board has just approved a master plan to help kind of build out the whole campus, which means a little more work for uh, those of us that need to raise the funds. <clears throat> but they're looking at a new gymnasium. I know Alaska kids hate playing basketball. <clears throat> Excuse me. But a new gymnasium, and then also a new chapel building. We're running out of chapel space, and then we have to increase our classroom space. So three new buildings. <clears throat> Vision 2020. So your college is, uh, is, is, is doing great. So thank you for your support. Thank you for those of you who pray for us, who grab a picture of a student every year and pray for a student. And then for those of you that make a financial gift and offering like you will today. Eagle River has been the most generous church in the history of Alaska Christian College over all these 18 years. And today we ask you to continue that great tradition. <laughs> so this, uh, this guy gets on a ship, heads out in the ocean, Get shipwreck, bummed out. He lives for years and years and years on this 
uninhabited island. His name was not Tom Hanks. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, he sees a ship. And he gets so excited. He runs out to the beach and waves, and the ship shows up, and the captain gets off, and the guy is saved. He's finally going to get out of this place. And the, the captain looks at him, and he says, Hey, <clears throat> I see three buildings here. What's that first building? And he says, well, when I first got here, I needed a place to live, so I built a house. That's my house. Oh, cool. And he said, now the, the building in the middle, what's that? And he said, well, I'm a Christian, and I built myself a church. So that building's my church. I said, that's amazing. Wow, what faithfulness. He said, now what's the third building? And he said, oh, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it has a purpose. I don't just tell jokes to tell jokes. I'm not David Letterman. The church I used to go to. Keith Green, uh, a famous uh, Christian songwriter years ago, says this, going to church doesn't make you any more a Christian than going into McDonald's makes you a hamburger. And I'm not sure today that the name Christian is really a good definition in our U.S. culture as to what defines a person that's Christ-like. For that name Christian in our culture today means so many things that I believe it's been really watered down and misused even. To be a Christian, by definition, is to be like Christ or Christ-like. And based on that pure definition, I'm not sure that even I qualify and should call myself a Christian. And I'm deeply concerned that when you ask people on the street what a Christian is, boy, you do get a variety of answers. From being uh, the churchgoers who are saying it's all about going to church, to because I'm an American, therefore I'm a Christian. I hear that as I travel around the world. Or to a person who follows just a bunch of rules. And my least favorite definition I hear from people is a Christian is a hypocrite. That's their definition. Christian equals hypocrite. If you ask friends from our other Churches in our nation, like Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, they will tell you they are Christians. If you ask groups like the Branch Davidians, before they went up and smoked, they'll say they are Christians. If you go to a village in Alaska and talk to somebody who's really never committed their life to Christ, but they will tell you they're Christian because their grandparents are or were. And to be a Christian in Alaska may mean that you mix native religious traditions and pieces of Christianity where it favors them. And this is known as syncretism. They call themselves Christians. I've heard recently of TV celebrities who mix a variety of religious thought, and they throw in Jesus to get a new package, and they themselves are called also Christians. Anything seems to go today. And by this new cultural definition, it appears that maybe even a dog can be a Christian, because we all know that all dogs go to heaven, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because I wear a cross around my neck, does that make me a Christian? Or because I give to the offering and tithe and teach Sunday school, am I a Christian? Or because I just once mouthed the words that, also, that someone told me to say as a little kid, does that make me a Christian? At Alaska Christian College, where I serve as the president, I'm concerned that our students have also lost the definition of Christian, being like Christ or Christ-like. And we've changed over the time at ACC to maybe a more exact word. It's actually found 269 times in the New Testament. 
It's the real word that we should be using, I think, not just the three times that the word Christian is used in the New Testament. And it's the word what? Disciple. The word disciple. Uh, I simply want to be called a disciple, a, a follower of Jesus. And if someone would ask you today, what religion are you or what faith are you? You'd say, well, Christian, confusion would arise. Instead, I simply offer that maybe you just say I'm a follower of Jesus. Then the person knows exactly who you follow and to whom you have given your life to. If you try this with people, it will really shake them up. Matthew 28, 19. If you want to turn in your phones with me, most of you know what it is. Matthew 28, 19, right between Genesis and Revelation. You can't miss it. If we look into a little bit farther, we, we, we see this whole vision of being a disciple as it provides perhaps the strongest biblical basis for our definition we're working off of today. Because Matthew 28, 19 defines the follower of Jesus as a disciple. And while much focus has been given to these verses, we talk about the Great Commission for sending out missionaries, comes from Matthew 28, 19. It's remarkable that the command here is to go and make what? Disciples. Not Christians. Don't make churches. Don't make Jewish people and their synagogues. Don't become Sunday school teachers. But make disciples of all nations. And, and all this effort to make disciples comes from Christ's own words as he states just before his ascension now in verse 19. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. You see, these are Jesus' famous last words. Last words. The key word used here in the imperative, or the command form in the Greek, is to make. And the remainder action words include then baptizing and teaching. But those means as you are going along. So when you're making a disciple, as you're going along making disciples, then you are to baptize them, and then you are to teach them everything that I've commanded you. The club is not sold out of memberships yet. And looking again at verse 19, this priority verb of making disciples is the intention of each follower who wishes to obey everything God's commanded us. The other verbs are the how we make disciples, putting flesh on the skeleton of making the disciple through teaching and through baptizing. But Christ reminds us that all authority, wow, all authority has been given to us, each of us as a believer, to accomplish the task of making disciples. I've been an EMT for 38 years. <laughs> Sorry, emergency medical technician. It's like a paramedic. You with me? Okay, Acts 29, okay. 20, uh, 38 years. And I remember doing my rounds in the ER, the emergency room, at a hospital in Edmonds, Washington. And a man came in and he said to me, he said, I, I've got chest pain and I can't breathe too well. <clears throat> and I said, okay. And he said, I ate a lot of pizza and drank a lot of beer tonight. And I think it's just indigestion. I said, okay. So we put him in the room and the nurses were there and I was there and I'm taking his vitals. Everybody left, and I'm just in there with this guy. We have him hooked up to an EKG. And, as I'm, and I'm working, all of a sudden I hear this D flatline noise. And I look up, and he's just sitting there. And I, and I realize, oh, one of the <coughs> cords have come off. It just made the noise when he pulled off. So I went, and I put it back on. And uh, we're talking some more. I'm down near his feet doing something. And uh, he says, you know what? 
he says, I, I feel better already. And I said, great. And I hear this D again. I'm like, oh, well, it came off again. I looked up and he's going, crash. And he went into a full cardiac arrest right in front of me. And I yelled, code, code. And everybody came in and we worked on him. His famous last words were, gee, I feel better already. Would you want those to be your famous last words? No. <laughs> a week later, I came back to my rotation. <clears throat> he was alive. He was saved that day. Jesus' last words. Make disciples. Nothing else. We have to listen. We have to adhere and say, Jesus, if this is what you wanted us to know, we want to be on your team. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, John 14, 6. He's therefore the only way to the Father, the only way to heaven. It is said that one cannot be a follower of Jesus without forfeiting things sought in the human life. And I agree, because the cost of not being a follower is far greater than the price paid to walk with Jesus. That word disciple comes from the Greek language. It's been translated today, you know, mainly as, as a follower or a learner. To be a follower, there first has to be somebody that you're willing to voluntarily um, make your leader. Because leadership is not imposed. It is accomplished voluntarily by those who want to follow. And every one of those original disciples had the choice to follow or to walk away. And yet Jesus, it says, appointed 12, Mark three fourteen, that they might be with him and they might send him out to preach. You know, it was their choice. And while someone said, no, no, I got excuses. I can't go right now. Others left their nets and left their jobs and their whole families to become followers and learners. Discipleship class I used to teach at ACC, I defined a disciple as a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Say that with me. Fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. And inerrant in this definition is that action word following. All is determined by how a disciple chooses to follow his or her leader. A fully committed or half-hearted follower. Which one are you? Which one are you? Fully committed or half-hearted? And you know also Jesus and following Him happens best in, in community and being together one cannot fully embrace the blessing and grace of being a disciple by doing it alone. Oh, I don't have to go to church. I can just stay home and pray in my closet all day long. And I want to tell you that one cannot fully embrace the blessing and the grace of being a follower simply by doing it alone. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German pastor who was killed just two weeks before the uh, Allied troops came in and freed his prison, in his book, Life Together, is concerned that the follower of Jesus be fully engaged with others in this transforming process. Whether it is a brief, single encounter or the daily fellowship of many, many years, Christian community is only this, that we belong to one another solely through and in Jesus Christ. So in Alaska, let me explain how this happens. Native peoples in village Alaska, they listen as elders and spiritual leaders bring to them the biblical and non-biblical traditions of past centuries in their communities. Uh, they have passed it on very effectively, I would say, from generation and generations as learners and followers. As they have sat at the elders' feet in the steam houses or in small mission churches or around the hunting and fishing camps, 
Alaska natives have understood the teaching and the passing on of truths to be the inerrant model of how we become a follower and a learner in community. Their model, in the non-biblical and biblical sense, has been that of a disciple, the follower and the learner model. It's how Jesus did it too. But he even went one step further, and not only that, but he said, give up all you have, and then come and follow me. And listen to this. I about fell out of my chair when I really understood the meaning of this. My, My lead professor at Fuller Seminary in my doctoral work, he stated, listen to this, that if an adolescent does not make it into the incorporation of the body of Christ through the Christian community as that adolescent, then a disciple is not made. I'll say it again. If an adolescent does not make it into the incorporation of the body of Christ in the Christian community as a kid, then a disciple is not made. God's intention for us in the New Testament. We are all, everyone in humanity, given the opportunity through God's Word and through the Christian faith to choose to follow Jesus or not follow Jesus wherever He would send us. To say yes to following Jesus is to commit your whole life to Him, to follow the example of unconditional love, of loving your neighbor, of following His commandments and not just those suggestions that people say that they really are, and then making a firm decision like He did to give His life completely ever and over to God and trusting that eternal life and His resurrection would come someday soon. Have you made a firm decision that you will follow Jesus wherever He leads you and be a follower? You know, I was 16 years old when I made a firm decision to become a follower of Jesus. I had a rough family growing up, but I knew that I had to seek forgiveness for them and for my past sins, the things that were done contrary to the will of God. To receive that free gift of eternal life, open the door of my heart, which was pretty hard closed, and invite Him to be my only Savior and the King over the throne of my life. I, I knew that there was this void in my life that could not be filled up by other people, by gaining success, by being popular, by saying and doing anything just to get other people's approval and favor. And I discovered that if I could have a personal relationship like I do today with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, that my life and my future would be different. I want desperately to receive His unconditional love and grace by responding to the invitation. It was given to me to high school, Covenant High School camp in Leavenworth, Washington, 1978. I knew that I wanted to be reborn, as Pastor Todd talked about today, into a new creature because the old one that was walking around wasn't too cool to be with. I knew that I would have to give up some things in my life that were blocking me from following Him and having an intimate relationship with my new friend Jesus Christ. And I knew that I was to stand up for what was right, even if I knew it meant that I would be standing alone. I discovered at that age that you don't have to stick your head in the trash to already know that it stinks. And I made that life-changing disciple decision to be a disciple, a follower, to get my head out of the trash. At Alaska Christian College, we have a lot of students who come with similar stories. And today I've invited one of them. He flew up this morning, got up at 5 to get on the the grant flight to come up here. And uh, I'm grateful Adam is actually next Sunday 
going to be graduating with an uh, associate in arts degree and paraprofessional education. And uh, he's, uh, maybe you've seen him before. I've taken Adam with me and speaking around as I, I do young men who come from ACC. And he has a unique story, but yet it ends up same place that I ended up, being a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Let's welcome this soon-to-be graduate, Adam Begay. Uh, hello, I'm going to be introducing myself in my native language. Uh, started off saying good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. Um, my name is Adam Begay. I am, uh, I am born for the Tangle People clan. My father uh, is the Red Towering House clan. My maternal grandparents are the Rock Cat people, and my maternal grandparents are the Bitterwater people. Um, my story is, uh, just as Keith was saying, being a disciple, um, uh, before I was 18, I was on the wrong path, was doing all the wrong things, kind of just taking life as it is, like this is as good as it's going to get. Um, ended up getting in trouble with the law, doing a lot of bad things, fighting, had so much anger inside of me for uh, my father abusing me and abusing my mom. Uh, we split from my dad. Uh, didn't graduate with my class, had to take another year to graduate high school. And through all that pain and suffering, um, had to get jobs. And uh, when I turned 18, I accepted Christ in my life. And through that, um, being a Navajo from the traditional culture, uh, I had to choose either Christianity or my traditional ways. And at first, it was hard because I had to make a choice with if I want to follow Christ or if I want to do traditional, my traditional ways. So I was kind of fighting a big battle with that, and I ended up choosing the right decision, which was being a follower of Christ. And uh, ended up getting disowned by my family. Uh, I had to live on my own, was homeless for about a month, got my own place. Through all this time, I was barely finishing my high school, my last semester of high school, graduated, um, ended up moving with my biological father, working, came to ACC, um, all with the flip of a coin. And uh, when I first came to ACC, I was kind of trying to figure out why am I here, what can I bring to ACC, and what is the true meaning of being a follower of Christ? And uh, one day I was walking into school and I noticed that a lot of um, the native culture has to do with dancing here in Alaska. And I figured out, um, what was the Yupik word for native dancers again? Agayun dancers. Agayun dancers. And so after Keith explaining that to, at one of, his, um, one of the banquets we had, I started questioning how can they dance and I can't do what I used to do? Why can't I speak my native language? Why was I told that 
I had to give up who I truly am to be a follower of Christ. And so I started a journey on with myself and understanding that I can be a native, a Navajo person following Christ and understanding that culture is a big thing. And especially for uh, me, um, I was split on that bridge being a Christian. Being a Christian, I was always told, oh, you're a hypocrite. You're this, you're that. You guys say you're this and you're this and stuff like that. So I wanted to find a true meaning of who, what a Christian was. And understanding that had to make me go all the way back and understanding who Jesus was and how he broke everything down, how he related to the culture he was speaking to in parables and understanding where they're coming from. And after understanding that and knowing who Jesus was as a a loving and caring person and understanding he knew us before we were born and understanding he written my story before I even came about and understanding even though the hardships that I went through, he made all that happen in order for my family to understand to be a Christ follower. So my family is still not saved, but the things that have happened in my life, they're coming up to my graduation. And that's a big thing for me. And having, and having them understand that a Christian is not just a hypocrite and all these other things. A Christian follower is a person who understands the Bible and understands the meaning of being loving, caring, and generous and understanding who Jesus made us to be with ourselves and understanding the talents and gifts that he has given us. And uh, the legacy part of it is um, I want to become a person not only in my community but understanding that it is not simply being a Christian, but being a follower of Jesus and understanding the difference. Uh, thank you. So I want to pray for this young man, but uh, you, have a, you, you gave yourself a new name when you came to Alaska Christian College from the Navajo Reservation. And what is it? Desert Eskimo. <laughs> He's a desert Eskimo. Lord, thank you for Adam's life and uh, his desire to uh, truly be a follower. And I'm grateful that, uh, oh, man, in two years, how you have radically altered his life. And God, as his family comes next weekend, this coming weekend, to uh, see their, their son and grandson graduate, Lord, might it be an amazing, godly moment for them to hear, maybe for the first time, what it is to love and know Jesus. So we pray for him, God, and as he's moving ahead as um, a young man uh, in the professional education world and wants to stay in Alaska, God, use him mightily. In Jesus' name, amen. And so uh, I wish to close with both a, a challenge and a question, and I'm going to do the question first. What is your legacy going to be as a Christian, as, a, as what I've been saying more so, a disciple? What are you leaving behind to give to your family, your kids, your grandkids that counts for eternity? What will be written on your tombstone about your life that made a significant impact on others 
that are coming behind you. If you truly are a disciple, it's going to show and there's going to be a legacy that you're going to, to leave. Each time that I go to Unalakleet, in fact, I'll be there next month, um, I go to the cemetery. Now, how weird is that? But I go to the cemetery because there's a tombstone there that I always go and I read to remind me of legacy and what, as a disciple of Jesus, that I want to be someday. And I have a picture of it here on the screen. This is actually Carlson. He was the first covenant missionary who landed in 1887 on the shores of Unalakleet. At rest, Axel E. Carlson, born Sweden, September 15, 1858. Arrived to Unalakleet, 1887. Died January 15, 1910. And here's the quote that I always read. When he arrived in this village, there was no Christian. When he died, there was no heathen. When he died, there was no heathen erected by the Swedish Evangelical Mission Covenant Church of America together with the natives of Unalakleet. Axel's legacy is with us even today. He is still making a difference as a disciple of Jesus who started his work back in 1887. That's the question for you. What are you leaving behind as a disciple? And my challenge today is for you to consider about the, the trail that you're leaving behind you. If you are a disciple, a learner, a legacy, what things are you going to do? The challenge are going to do. Things you absolutely know that you're about and you have within your grasp to do to leave behind your disciple legacy to others. A few things have just happened recently that I, I want to share with you about a legacy is given to Alaska Christian College to wrap it up. There's a man in this church who called me just about three or four weeks ago. And he said, we've got a church that we've been a part of and the church is dying and we're going to close our doors. But we have this piece of land that we own that we want to just give to Alaska Christian College. And you can do with it whatever you wish. But our church wants to leave a legacy to Alaska Christian College. And then I think of these two little old ladies in their mid-80s. They call themselves the Vista Sisters. And they live in New Richland, Minnesota. I visit them every time I go to Minnesota. They live on a 140-acre farm. They have, for the last 15 years or so, in their little kitchen of their farmhouse, made 30 different kinds of jams and jellies for Jesus. And they bit the, the little four-ounce jars, and they label them, and they go to the market in Bloomington, those farmer's markets, and all summer long, they park their little van and put out their little table, and they sell jams and jellies for Jesus. And then they donate all the proceeds to a mission of the Covenant Church somewhere. We got a check for all the jams and jellies for Jesus of $20,000 from their sale of Jeff's Jellies. Isn't that credible? Yeah. And those little old ladies, they want to leave a legacy. They say, Keith, when God takes us home, our farm is in your will. Alaska Christian College is in our will. And they want to leave a legacy. They've never met any of our students. They've never been on our campus. But they're disciples. And the challenge to them since they were young was to follow Christ with all that you have. And don't leave much behind 
give it all away if you can. So thank you today for considering just the thought, man, what do I need to do to leave a legacy of being a disciple? Let's pray. And so it is, God, that uh, we want Alaska change for Jesus Christ. We want every village to have the hope of the Lord and for people in those villages to turn from the darkness and the sin that encumbers them to being disciples. And, Lord, it might happen through many, many means. It could happen through the Elam Vacation Bible School this summer that this church sends a team to. It could be... Lord, through the many places around the world like Kenya, and Larry and Beth go back to Kenya this week, that those disciples are going to make more disciples. It happens right here as the kids on the rock are picking up a coloring crayon or hearing a Bible story, that they're going to become disciples. Lord, we want to leave a legacy. And Lord, it might be even for Alaska Christian College that today the generosity of this church continues with making sure that every Alaska young person has a shot at hearing about Jesus, and then following Him. So God, we're grateful for the example in Scripture that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to us. And then we need to, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, including the Navajo Reservation. We love you, Lord. We want to follow you today. In Jesus' name, amen.